0: Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe and here with Alex Skillstrap and Ryan Roberts. We are moving on with our positional rankings, wrapping up the running back week that we did. If you missed out on any of the comparison shows that we've already done, go check those out. But to wrap up this week, we're going to do exactly what we did with the quarterbacks. We are going to share guys that we're way too high on already, guys that we are much lower on then the consensus before we get to that though i just want to tell our listeners about bet online our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info find all of the latest sports developments including updated odds on the nba and nhl playoffs major league baseball fights and even ne- even next season's nfl futures bet online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code believe to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Guys, this running back group is exciting. And Ryan and I talked about this this group and the the depth that it has, the talent that it has. Overall, I think there's a lot of guys that are going to be in consideration to be highly drafted, but I will also like to point out, we also have a lot of really big dudes. This is like a big, quite literally a big running back class with all these big bodies that are a part of this 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 group of players.
2: Yeah, we got a lot of um, big oversized running backs that Joe gets to overrate like he's been doing all week. So it's fantastic. It. Man, man. Fantastic. I'm just happy that, uh, looking at our sheet here, I'm just happy that Alex didn't bring his SEC bias into the conversation today. That's good to see.
1: No bias here. We'll we'll get into it. But uh, this is a really exciting running back class overall. I think there's four four guys to get really excited about as top 50 guys. Two, I think, are almost locks to be first-round guys based on their talent level. Uh, and then I, there's some names that go down that I think are going to fill – a role that we're going to talk about. I know Ryan has one listed as well. So uh, this is going to be a, a really fun conversation and fantasy, fantasy dynasty, fantasy football players are uh, really excited about this upcoming class because this running back class is ridiculous.
2: Fantasy doofuses love, love running backs, man. What are you like, do- No, I'm just saying the analytics people hate all, all the analytics people hate yeah. running backs. And then the fantasy guys love running backs. Cause that's yeah. where the, that's where the points come from, man. That's crazy. So, I, I will
0: say that I think, I, I think you were the one who tweeted, Ryan, about like, oh, what position do you like? What's the one that you like, like to evaluate the most? I will say I think running back is my favorite one to evaluate, despite recently holding less value because I'm trying to be more realistic with um, the current wave of NFL offenses and usage, usages for running backs. But throwback to, I think it was the TJ Yeldon, Amir Abdullah class when I first started trying to evaluate film, and then I I didn't do it for a while. But back in high school, I think it was 2016, 2015 for that class, I remember I watched tape for those guys, and I started with
2: running backs, and then I didn't get to any other position groups. All I did was running backs. I graduated college in 2015. Well, you're old. <laughs> I, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. Appreciate you. you man, what is up with you and TJ Yeldon? You talk about him every single time. I don't know. I lo-
0: <laughs> I, it was my first draft crush, man. He was my first draft crush. That's oh, was he a draft now. crush? Was he? Yeah. Uh, but I only value... Out. What did you say, Alex? How'd that turn out? They're not very good. <laughs> well, I was... I was like 17 or 16 at the time. I wasn't very smart.
1: I still Joe, am not. Joe swore, Joe swore never to watch film again after T.J.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's basically Joe, you know, what happened.
2: Joe, you know when I was 16? What year I was 16? Uh, 1986. Fuck, Fuck you, dude.
0: <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> 2007, though. That makes you feel old as well. That does a little bit. I was barely walking then. Uh, not necessarily. Not No, because I would have been... Alex, you and I would have, we're the same year, I think. 2007, we would have, we would have been nine years old. I was eight. Okay. I turned eight that year. So you make me feel old now. All right. Let's talk about these running backs. We've got some, we have some young guys here. Um, Mm -hmm. Alex, we're going to get to you in a second, but I'm going to give my guy first. So my Zach Charbonnet from UCLA, if you listen to the comparison show, because Ryan, the way that I set this up, the way that I, I, detailed this category of guys that were way too high on the point is to bring up somebody that we probably shouldn't be that high on but we are for some weird reason and i agree i shouldn't be that high on zach charbonnet but for some reason i liked him more than uh tank bigsby and i liked him more than you did but for me i see a guy like charbonnet who's a big body i think he's got more long speed than he deserves credit for and the thing that i talked about on that comparison show is that. I see him as a player, like a Jordan Howard, that can come in for a couple of years and be a, a big contributor because he, you know, he's capable of doing that, and then fall off the face of the earth. I don't see him having more than two good seasons in the NFL. I well,
2: I love. Fa- uh, I'm going to let Alex go because he had some great facial expressions during go your ahead. explanation.
1: Well, I, I was, I, I didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, so hearing Charbonnet over Tank Bigsby caught me by surprise. I didn't expect it. I mean, Charbonnet is he's a he's he's good he had a breakout year last year obviously um
2: former michigan guy joe yeah former michigan, michigan guy
1: over at ucla now i just don't see like that extra um i don't know the extra gear i guess with him and so like he, he a lot of his success was predicated on the big play at the collegiate level in the pac 12 but i just saw him as someone that like he got the ball and he went he, he, he got off to the race, but there was not really anything after that. It was kind of a straight line runner. I didn't see much juice, wiggle, anything like that. And um, so, I mean, Jordan Howard, I guess is fine. Like career arc. I mean, I guess I don't argue with that, but I just, you value that Joe. I <laughs> value Jordan Howard's career arc. I mean, he was he was, he was okay. Well again, like you guys are
0: are getting hung up on the wrong thing. I'm saying I'm too <laughs> high on him and I probably okay. shouldn't be. That's like you realize that, it. I, yeah, I realize that it's a problem. I don't know why, just from my before I even spoke to Ryan, <laughs> it is kind of odd that I that I was drawn to him. And maybe it's the the bias of again, UCLA's offensive line wasn't that great, but I don't know why when you watch guys that when they have good runs it's easy to get caught up in that but he had a lot of wide open lanes and mm-hmm. as we talked about on that on that show chip kelly's really good at scheming run games and that's probably why he was put in those positions but uh, he didn't get a lot of carries like there's some games where he just didn't get that many touches but he's still at or over 100 yards rushing and he was able to have these long runs and I get he doesn't have a lot of wiggle I know that's a problem but he's a big bodied running back and I think you could plop him into a, a running back room that maybe has a smaller guy and he could work his way into getting some touches I know that saying that that Jordan Howard is is not a a career arc that is a valuable one but what I said on the show was that running backs are very typically not going to get Multiple contracts, and they eventually get hurt. And I would rather have a guy who can provide an impact immediately, and do something immediately. And if he doesn't pan out, and I draft him on day three, that's all I really want to get out of a guy like that. That's kind of where I sit with him.
1: Maybe, you know, uh, maybe, maybe the combination of James Cook and Zach Charbonnet would be what they wanted. Uh, Buffalo wanted Devin Singletary, Zach Moss to be. Maybe, maybe oh, that's a good one-two punch.
2: I mean, I like Zach Moss coming out of Utah. Rip, yes. that was a great one.
1: Sucked.
2: Joe, I I would say this. You made fun of me for being the old guy on the podcast earlier. You're like stuck in the 80s with your running back evaluations. So.
0: <laughs> Damn right, uh, man. I, I wait. I before you continue, I will say yeah. I don't know what it is, but I have an obsession with big running backs. Like big. They don't need to be that fast. Like I love Derrick Henry. I loved. You loved Brandon Jacobs, didn't you? You were a big Brandon Jacobs fan. I- I I, Well, I didn't evaluate him, but I will say I'm I'm obsessed with the fact that he's so freaking big. It's just like – it's kind of funny to me that they're so big and they're playing running back when they should be playing tight end or something else.
2: I have a comp. I have a comp that just came to me for your boy Charbonnet. He's Jonathan Stewart in his last year in the NFL. (laughs) He's way bigger (laughs) than Jonathan Stewart, though. No, Jonathan Stewart was a hoss, man. You have no idea what you're talking about. He was like 235. Stewart was huge. He's shorter. Mm, it's like six foot, I think. I
0: don't think he's that. some this He was 5'10", 240.
2: <sighs> he was 5'10"? Really? I thought he was taller yeah. than
0: that. Huh. He was
2: a big dude, though. Yeah, big dude. Um,
0: but your comparison is that he couldn't well, when move. He was,
2: well, no, dude. When he, was, when he first came out of Oregon, he could move. And then his last couple of years, it was like, oh, man. He's like Mike Tolbert now. Like It's not great anymore. Yeah, well, I'm not that look, I'm not. This is
0: the one of the few shows where I'm not happy with that pick. I actually stood behind DJ Younger Lele because I think that there's some value there. I, I again, I'm not that happy with this pick. It just came to mind immediately. And I wanted you guys to pick me apart. But Alex, uh, you next. You, you've you been back for two episodes and you're already putting two guys in for for your <laughs> category. You just love to, to, to break the rules here. So let's hear about your two guys.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the one I really wanted to touch on uh, is Syracuse's Sean Tucker. Um, Last year, uh, this this is just plugging me a little bit. Last year, my guy for this selection, my, my guy was Kenneth Walker. And that one turned out pretty well. Someone that ran the ball very efficiently, didn't have quite the passing game volume that you would hope in a first or second round running back. But it didn't really matter for him in the grand scheme of things when it came to where he was selected and, and, and the valuation that was put on him come uh, the draft. I think Sean Tucker's in a similar boat. He doesn't necessarily get the volume in the passing game, but as a true rush rusher, this guy's got it. I think this guy's got a little bit more juice than I expected. He's a bigger back. Um, and he just, he, when he gets out in front of the crowd, he runs away from guys. Um, I saw that a couple of times on his tape and, I was really, really impressed with his ability to find the open lane when it wasn't there. Obviously you can't expect Syracuse to have the best offensive line playing in the ACC against some uh, better, better programs over there. But Sean Tucker made, made do with what he had. And I was very, very impressed with what I saw on tape with him. And then I just wanted to simply mention Kendra Miller from TCU with uh, Zach Evans out of the building. He's going to be the focal point of that rushing attack and that, that's a cat we need to start talking about. He's, he's pretty good.
2: Joe, off, off, um, off air yesterday, you remember how I told you you need to watch? Yeah, and I, I
0: admittedly didn't get to really watch much Kendra Miller, but I did get exposed to him when I was watching Zach Evans. And I will say it yeah. was noticeable. That, you know, When you're watching these guys rotate, I saw Kendra Miller. I was like, oh, I, you know, I, I didn't even know that he was on the, on the radar
2: of being a prospect. And it's huge yep. now that Evans is gone for him to step up. He reminds me of Sony Michelle, mm. which I liked Sony Michelle coming out of Georgia. I thought he was pretty good. I, I think that more injuries than anything have kind of derailed his career, but he's been pretty solid. Um, you know, when he's been healthy for the most part in the NFL. So yeah, I like the Kendra Miller mention. Sean Tucker's a really interesting player because he actually runs track for the Syracuse uh, program as well. He's a six four oh. he's a six four one fifty-five meter runner. So he, he can scoot a little bit, man. He's pretty fast. He's probably gonna be a Four three, four three high, four four low type of dude. Like probably four four two ish. Yeah, he he can scoot a little bit, man. He's uh, for
1: the, for the so- size of his body. I mean, that's that guy can, yeah. can scoot.
2: Yeah, now he, he can scoot. He
1: reminds me a little bit.
2: Here's another comp for you, Alex. He reminds me a little bit of Richard Mendenhall, if you remember him coming Ooh. out of Illinois. A little bit smaller than Mendenhall, but similar style. He's a one cut runner. He's got a little bit juice to him. Um, Quick throw out to I know. Joe, we tore the offensive line class apart in our live last night, the offensive tackle group. I will say Syracuse's left tackle, Matthew Bergeron, is a very interesting player just for a future mention there.
1: Yeah, I mean, one other thing, uh, you kind of mentioned it briefly, the one-cut ability he has. Syracuse runs, runs a lot of zone concepts in the running game, and when this guy puts his foot in the ground and finds a lane, I don't want to see this guy in San Francisco because this is this is like mm-hmm. that that guy that Elijah Mitchell that's going to be, you know, a day 3 pick because of the depth and talent of this running back class is going to be a day 3 pick that goes to San Francisco and blows up in his rookie season because this guy puts his foot in the ground, finds that lane and he shoots through it. And with his with his size of body and his uh it's hard to bring him down when he when he accelerates through the hole.
2: So Joe, you mentioned that there's nothing but bigger backs, right? <laughs> That we're talking about a lot of bigger backs. Bringing up a lot of small guys right now. Yes, and I'm you're bringing up a, a really small guy. I'm bringing up a really small guy. If you were tuned into the episode the other day where we talked a little Deuce Vaughn and Jameer Gibbs, I was the one personally that wanted to talk about Deuce Vaughn this week because I, I love Deuce Vaughn, man. I love his film. It is so much fun. I, I don't care. I know that he has a departmentalized role. I know he's going to be a third down back, a situational type player in the vein of a Darren Sproles or a Boston Scott for the Philadelphia Eagles, or maybe he turns into an Austin Eckler down the line as far as being that type of dude. I understand there's some limitations to a high-volume carrier role, but my guy has got great passing prowess, instincts. He's got speed, he's got juice, and he's incredibly instinctive in the open field. So there is a role for a guy like a Deuce Vaughan. I said on the podcast, I would draft him somewhere late day two for as a offensive weapon in your in your arsenal. Mm-hmm. But the reason I'm saying that I'm maybe a little too too high about him is I'm probably going to put him as my number five-ish running back in this class, I believe in summer. And that's probably a little high because he's probably never going to be a high-volume ball carrier in the NFL. But I think he's going to be a very good player regardless of that role. I don't know how, but I
0: actually might be a little bit higher on Deuce Vaughn than you, because I, I had him. I was in. I was considering maybe slotting him at four, and that's just kind of loosely off the top of my head. I, I loved him as well. I, which is ironic because I'm telling you guys how much I love bigger running backs, but I'm slowly shifting away from that because my two favorite guys in this class are Jameer Gibbs and Deuce Vaughn, and I I just pray whoever drafts him is a team with a creative offensive coordinator with at least a yes. decent. Yeah, uh, decent quarterback. Like I, you know, it actually just kind of thought of, kind of gives me those those vibes. And this might be a little bit of a forced comp, but I'm I'd love to hear. It. It kind of gives you those Tariq Cohen vibes, where he's just killing mm. people in space. I know that's so easy to do. It's hard to pinpoint those. I small mean, there's guys.
2: not there's not there's not a good comp for him though. Just I know of size, he's it's, different. Yeah, I just the Darren Sproles comp was hard for
0: me to get behind. But like, I just mm-hmm. trying to think of a small, compact dude who. Catches a lot of passes, has good hands, good route runner. But the big thing is you give him a little bit of space and he is going to kill you. That home run threat, that's what I value the most when, I, when I'm when i looking at running backs these days. Is Can I get a guy who can score a touchdown if you put him in the right spot? Some of these other bigger guys, I don't think you can really do that. But you get that with Bijan.
2: You get that with Jameer Gibbs. You get that with Deuce Vaughn. Can, can, yeah, can we do a quick game, Joe? And then I'll yes. let Alex finish up on the point. Ready? Okay. So in a vacuum, I'm not they're different players. I just want you to say who you think is a better prospect for their role. Ready? Um, let's go Deuce Vaughn or Zach Evans. Do, uh,
0: do, for Deuce, his role? Deuce Vaughn. For his role. But I the problem is like that question is because Zach Evans, I like I don't I don't entirely I can't say what is exactly what his role was because he was misused at TCU. They barely used him. When you uh, clarify what do you mean by that?
2: Like, okay, so I mean Zach Evans profiles to being a higher level ball carrier, potentially, right? Yeah. Like he could be a two hundred plus carry a year guy, potentially if he hits a ceiling. Like that's his yeah. type of role, you know? I I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's not a per again, it's not perfect because they're both different players and they're both going to assume different roles. I think I'm just trying to make I'm just trying to figure out exactly where you have him pegged. Like, do you like him more as a prospect than a tank Bigsby?
0: Yeah. I well, because I wasn't that I wasn't that high on tank tank Bigsby.
2: <sighs> you hated tank, man. I, I was just water. a little underwhelmed, a tiny bit. Well, what was his name again? He had a great name, uh, Jazarian
1: or something like that.
2: Chartavius or something like that. Chartavius. Yeah, maybe? I just remember I read it and I thought it sounded like he was a <laughs> um like a a carnivore or something. But yeah, uh, it was great. Alex, what are was your a thoughts on Vaughn? It was Cartavius. Yeah. We keep
1: cutting you off. Yeah, Alex, go ahead. No, sorry, you're good. Alex. My thing with Deuce Vaughn is, the we mentioned it briefly, the sample size of guys that fit his size profile to have success in the NFL is limited, but it's guys like Tariq Cohen. It's guys like Darren Sproles who have been really, really impactful for their teams. And I think Deuce Vaughn, personally, at that size profile, has a chance to be the best of them that we've seen in the modern NFL, because I think this guy has some special traits to him. And uh, this, this, I think, I think if you put him in a similar role to what those guys, uh, you know, had in their respective organizations, I think Deuce Vaughn has a chance to be very, very good for that role, which is why he warrants consideration for a top five running back, even though he's simply a pass catching, you know, down running back.
0: And the thing too, with him is you might not get, you're actually you're probably not going to get like a 1500 yard 1200 yard yeah. rusher out of him but i think the value you get with a player like that is like 800 and 700 like something like that when he hits his close to his ceiling or at his ceiling is like an equal total for receiving yards and rushing yards just because of his usage like again he's not going to be an every down guy and he's not even an every down guy right now but you put him out there and he takes advantage of those touches like he could very well dominate in both categories Absolutely. All right, let's 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 talk about... Uh, I just realized I left quarterback in the dock. Uh, running backs that we just don't get the appeal. So these are guys that aren't necessarily getting hyped up, but just guys that are talked about near the top or around the top of the class or just in general are getting positive buzz that you maybe don't really understand that positive buzz. My player that I decided to go with was Blake Corum from Michigan. And I, it's not that I didn't like Corum as a prospect. Um, I just from what we saw from him last year, it feels like we're already giving him consideration to be on the cusp or around the top five or at the very edge of the top five. I watched him and he, he's a small back. He does have that second gear, which you like. And when he hits those, those holes, he's able to, to accelerate. But for a guy that's small, I, I didn't think he was that elusive. And the other thing as well, and I'm just trying to pull my notes here, the other thing that I got from from him as well is I I I thought that he wasn't really doing a whole lot for me trying to make guys miss. Like he was able to cut and and obviously get away from, from tacklers. But like I'm watching him in some of these one on one situations, he wasn't creating that that separation for himself. He needed those open lanes in order for for him to attack them. I just I didn't really see him as, as good as I think people were making him out to be.
2: An interesting one. I kind of like Blake Coram, to be honest. I I don't know. He's so he's like a, a shorter, stockier built type of kid. He's about 5'8, 200 pounds. I think he's pretty quick, and I think he's got okay contact balance. I just think he's good on the second level. So I think he's a departmentalized player. I I, I mean, I agree, Joe. If you're like if you're rating him as a if you're rating him as a top five back in the class, then yeah, it, it's way too much. I agree completely on that one, but I I do like him for his role personally. I think yeah. that he has kind of space elements to his game that is pretty intriguing. Well, the, yeah, the big
0: thing, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, Alex, but like the big thing for me is that he is great at the second level, but I didn't like how he is trying to navigate through holes. Like that's that's where I was I was held up, and he he just didn't do a whole lot in those situations. And if he had to make a linebacker miss one on one, I watched him get tackled most of the time.
1: Yeah, Coram for me is not someone I'm willing to go one way or the other right now. I'm kind of a wait and see. I need to watch a little bit more. Uh, I know he's raved about football character-wise. You know, Michigan coaching staff loves Blake Coram. and I think that's going to go a long way for him and his you know prospects of going into the NFL draft. And he's going to be the, the guy this year, I have a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the thighs. Saquon had it. A.J. <laughs> Dillon had it. Blake Corum is built on the lower half. This guy is, is. Uh, like you said, that compact build. Being he meets that two hundred pound threshold that people put on the running back position at five mm-hmm. foot eight, it's pretty impressive. This guy's got some thick lower half, and I'd like to see a little bit more use because I think his athletic ceiling is pretty up there uh, as far yeah. as his wiggle and stuff, making guys miss. And I don't know if I've quite seen that yet. Uh, I see it on the like you said in open space, and I think right now that's the kind of player he is. Is someone you want to just put the ball in his hands in open space and let him uh, maneuver? But I want to see a little bit more on the first level, as y'all both I think had uh, mentioned there, uh, navigating space and, and finding the open lane rather than getting put in space.
2: I think he's got some juice though on the plus side. I think he's mm-hmm. I don't know, Joe. What do you think he runs four four? Four 4 flat. Yeah, that
0: that would probably be the the most amount to give him is 4 four 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 five maybe. It's fair. Yeah.
2: It's fair. I think a good I, explosion though. Good explosion yeah. to him.
0: Just to wrap him up, I have like a kind of like a weird thought for him. It, I think I'd be more into him if he wasn't as small as he was. Like he almost plays like he would be six foot and like two ten. If that makes any sense, because mm-hmm. like he just. I know it sounds a little bit convoluted, but if he was bigger, I think it would be easier to be high on him because he's so small. He's not, he doesn't have strength as much as a bigger back would, and he doesn't have a lot of size to really carry any weight to you know drive through a tackler. So that's, that's why right. I'm a little bit iffy on him trying to hit holes and, and, and break, because he can't break any tackles with his power. It has to, he has to rely on his quickness, and I don't think that quickness is enough to get away from linebackers in close situations. Joe, were you a fan of the thighs? Next, thighs next person, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alex. I'm actually pretty shocked. Yeah, you decided not to to, to dive into the the uh, the Georgia
1: bias because
0: we know you're a UGA fan. Yeah. Uh, you went with a, a UGA guy here. What happened?
1: Yeah, I, I I keep it real at the end of the day. Um, Kenny McIntosh for me has he's gotten a lot of hype. Uh, this summer, this early portion of the summer. And I think uh, those dynasty fantasy football guys are really, really high on them, the ones that claim to, to watch film. And this is all from live viewing because, like you mentioned, as a Georgia fan, I'm watching nearly, if not all, Georgia games live. And McIntosh is someone that's never really stood out. He's always had super, super high expectations coming into the program. Oh, this could be the next, you know, Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley-esque, you know, as far as pedigree goes. And he I, yes, he's been buried behind the likes of James Cook and zamir White, who who were heading that running back room just last year. Uh, and then DeAndre Swift, you know, uh, was a player in that room when he first came in, I believe. So um, hasn't really had the workload, but even when he, you know, using him in sparingly like throughout the game, there's nothing that says this is a day two running back to me at this point. I think I think a lot still needs to be proven, especially given that, he has one of the best offensive lines in football, in college football. He has, you know, so many guys around him that should take the pressure off of him, and I just haven't seen him do anything further than what is given to him, if that makes sense. You know, the offensive line gives him some space. He takes that space, but he doesn't do anything else once contact's there. I, I'm, I'm lacking in the uh, elusiveness and the uh, contact balance, you know, ability to break tackles, uh, part of his evaluation for me to really think that this is someone worth a top 75, top 100 draft pick at this point. Um, Of course, he's gonna, him and uh, Kendall Milton are gonna probably head that running back room at Georgia, who's another name that uh, is gonna be in the mix here. Um, So, I mean, it's kind of a wait and see. uh, Zamir White, James Cook are out of the building. So I just, I feel like people are getting a little bit too ahead of themselves on Kenny McIntosh. Cause I've still yet to see it.
2: Ken- Kendall Milton's going to be a pretty good player though. When he puts yeah. it together, he's talented. A little bit bigger. Yeah. Yeah. M- McIntosh reminds me of seven banks last year coming from Ohio state, the corner. It was like, Oh man, Ohio state always has corners. He's the next guy. And it's like, mm. <laughs> don't <laughs> so think he's lazy. actually the next yeah. guy. Yeah, It's very lazy, but I mean, you see those pipelines and people just go bet right to the back to those pipelines. It's like, Notre Dame at offensive line or tight ends, um, cornerback at Ohio State or LSU. Like, it's just, it's you the pipeline that's created. It,
1: right? Exactly. And, and it's so running easy. back situations the same way. Exactly. Right, and it,
0: it's so easy when a team like that recruits well. Now, I think we always, I haven't watched uh, Macintosh, admittedly, um, but I, I will say we tend to over evaluate guys that were big recruits. And it just—it's so easy to be like, look, this kid was one of the top running backs in his class. We got to bring him up. But you know, sometimes that doesn't always translate.
2: Right. Yeah. No. It's um. It's. I'm interested to see Georgia this year. I know we haven't really talked about that that much, but now we have Alex on. It's probably a good talking point for like a minute. I. I Alex, do you think they take a big step back? Like not big, as in like they're going to be a 500 team, but like nine and yeah. three.
0: Is that like unrealistic? That's and Bennett's their quarterback, so I think, yes.
1: I think if you take a look at their schedule, there's realistically only two games that they had the potential to lose. I think just because of the talent they're going to turn out. Um, I think this is going to be a New York New Year Six, maybe borderline playoff team. I don't think it. They're like obviously any any year that you're in the SEC. And you're playing against Alabama in the SEC Championship, you're going to be a, you're not going to be a lock to be in the college football playoff. But I think this is a team that's going to range between probably the fourth and 12th best team in the nation.
2: I think this is a big year for the program, though, because you're coming off a national championship game. And this year is going to be very indicative of whether they have completely just built a program that has long longevity, right? Has the state power, or if they were a, Great team, but a bit of an anomaly because then they lose fifteen players and they come back to earth a little bit. You know, like it's going to be a very interesting year to watch Georgia
1: football. Yeah, there's a lot of shoes to fill, especially on the defensive side of the football. Like you said, if they want to be in the ranks of the Alabamas of the of the world, they're going to have to prove that they can step up when when it's their time to to go. So, and it's not just like you said, an anomaly that we had all these guys that were really really good football players all at once that all happened to go to the draft the same year.
2: Ryan, what's your guy so we can wrap up here? Yeah, uh, Devin Achain is how you pronounce it apparently. Is, Running did we back. determine
0: that for sure? It's a chain. Yes,
2: I asked somebody on Twitter, and I got multiple responses back from Texas A&M folks that say all said it was a chain. Um So he's going to come in with a lot of hype here. He is a 5'9", 185-pound back, so he's a little bit smaller, but he's a 10'100-meter runner. So he is blazing fast, man. He is... I mean, he's close to Olympic caliber as far as a 100-meter runner for Texas a and I do not think he quite plays to that speed. I think he's fast, but I don't think he is elite speed on film, which like, I just don't see 10, 100-meter. And he's very small, doesn't break tackles, and he's not really that dynamic in the passing game either. So I'm looking at a home runner, nothing type of runner. And I don't really see much value outside of him because I just don't think he has great contact balance, physicality. He's just he's fast, but that's not what makes a running back great.
1: So yeah, he gets he gets the billing that like the Wondell Robinsons and Kadarius Tony get as being a weapon. And I agree with you with the speed. Like I don't know why this came to mind when watching him, but Travis Etienne. I, what what did Travis Etienne end up running in the combine? Four.
2: For, it was 4, four four three or four yeah. four four. He wasn't. Like I, he didn't go to the field. I feel like
1: Etienne felt a lot faster on field than a, a, chain? a chain. A chain. A chain. chain. Yep. Mm-hmm. I just feel like Travis Etienne, and he was he was known for speed. But I mean, just comparing a speedy playmaker to a speedy playmaker, I felt like mm-hmm. someone like a Travis Etienne coming out felt a lot faster. Just watching a chain doesn't run away from like I felt like he didn't run away from people the way I expected with the the background that he has. Um, and someone that you know that's what he's going to rely upon to you know with his draft start coming into next year um yeah i wasn't really impressed with him either i, th- I think this is someone that is gonna get that billing, like I said. Wondell Robinson was taken on day two. Kadarius Tony was a first round pick the year prior, both for the Giants. So maybe this is a Giants prospect right oh, here. Oh God, Stop Stop that that is, <laughs> it, is, it is a Giants prospect. Stop <laughs> it! But this is someone that you you want to use in a lot of different ways and can be just a weapon, if not anything, a decoy for for other guys you have on the offensive side of the football. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm I was expecting a little bit more. Doesn't have contact balance. It, it, that's just not the game you're going to get from. You're going to get someone that you're trying to scheme up touches in space and let him outrun folks. And I just wasn't quite as impressed with the speed as I thought it would be.
2: This this kid could break the 40 yard dash record, but I don't think he's a great football player. I think he's just like he's fast. I mean, Joe, he runs a 10-100 meter man. Like he is silly fast. Like it is. I mean, he's going to run four twos at a minimum, in my opinion. Like he is that type of dude. I just. I don't think he's a great i don't like i don't see any standout traits that uh, and again like on film i thought he's fast but i don't think he's elite fast on film like i just i really didn't um so that's so weird it's yeah like the I
1: pads mean, come on and it just it's like hey, I, think I, heavy I, for
2: I, I think i have him. I he's a 4-2 kid off of the field and a 4-4 flat kid on the field like that's what i feel about him the 4-4 is still fast like it's he's a fast dude i'm not saying he's not but how is he going to create? I don't think he's creative as a runner, and he doesn't have size to him. So, like, how is he going to create yardage? I just, I don't know. I don't see it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up on at Joe DeLeon, at Alex Skillstrep, at Rising Draft, at NFL Prospects Pod. Thank you for tuning.